Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the first Saturday of August, August 5th, 2023. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor. Make it away even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator. Reverend Dr. Milson Black, our pastor, will deliver the preached word. He will also offer Holy Communion today. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. As today is the first Saturday of the month, we will be offering the Lord's Supper. So sometime before we arrive at that point in the service, please gather your elements of a piece of bread or cracker and water, juice, or wine. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayer for Refuge from the Storm Church members, the worldwide church, our families and friends, PIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who've died from targeting. Also pray for all government officials to be moved by the Holy Spirit to discern the will of God, do it and not do their will. Please pray for world peace, all refugees, the worldwide climate crisis, the Haitian people, and all other migrants. Pray for all victims of gun violence, stabbings, and all violence and their families. Pray for all children, especially those being trafficked. And pray for TIs who have had their children unjustly taken away by an unjust court system. Pray for the unhoused, both targeted and untargeted, to obtain housing that will help them to have peace without satanic frequencies harming them. Thank you for listening and for your attention. Now uh, I will sing the opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you through the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phones. If there's any background noise where you are, by pressing star six and be blessed. The power of the cross. That's actually where we're going to be talking uh, on this afternoon. But I just bid a good afternoon to some and good evening to others. Thank God for this glorious day of celebration as we have been allowed to see another first Saturday in a brand new month. I join Elder Carolyn in welcoming you to Refuge from the Storm Church. As I give honor to the Holy Trinity, I also thank God for each of you. Our ministry team is always appreciated, but it's not the same as saying thank you. So to our talented and valuable administrative assistant, Sister Sharon Taylor, our worship leader, Elder Carolyn Cunningham, 
and to those who help us carry out the services each week, Minister Rochelle Jones, Brother Bob Pierce, and Sister Greta Ayers, each of you are needed to make these services what they are under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all that you do. A special thank you to our advisors, Reverend Myra Buchanan, Chairman of our advisory board, Reverend Dr. Linda Johnson, who, uh, who is assistant, Sister Georgina Porter-Wilson, Reverend Dr. Carmen Cruz, and Reverend David Williams, Jr. Thank you for your guidance as we continue up the King's Highway in service to this community of victorious, treasured, targeted individuals. We live across these United States and are working together by God's grace through Zoom and a conference call. I cannot thank God enough for allowing us to join in with what he is doing in this world, in this hour. Our scripture for the afternoon is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I also have noted chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, uh, which I may or may not read, but from the God's Word translation, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19 reads, the message about the cross is nonsense to those who are being destroyed, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will reject the intelligence of the intelligent people. You might remember Paul also said that it is through the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. Then I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19 again, this time from the Living Bible. It reads, I know very well how foolish it sounds to those who are lost when they hear that Jesus died to save them. But we who are saved recognize this message as the very power of God. But God says, I will destroy all human plans of salvation, no matter how wise they seem to be. And that means those who think they can get in a computer and live forever, you know, that's supposed to be the reason for putting your brain or your consciousness in a supercomputer and it'll let you live forever. God says, I will destroy all human plans of salvation, no matter how wise they seem to be and ignore the best ideas of men, even the most brilliant of them. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we come today giving you glory and giving you honor and giving you praise, Lord, that in our lowly states, in our condition of dependency on, on you and on your Holy Spirit, we can come boldly before your throne of grace into your presence, pass the veil of tears and say thank you. Father, we came today to worship you in, your, in the beauty of your holiness, God. We came today because you brought us safely through another night. And Lord, this is the day that we chose to come to worship you, a day that you have made and we're rejoicing and we're glad in it. Now, Lord, as we sow down around your word, we ask that you would open our eyes, God. Let us see into the deep treasures of the mystery of your word. I pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit's power that you would give us the ability, Lord, to see past human flesh and into the spirit realm, God, where you would grant us grace to learn what the spirit is saying to the church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The 
title of the message this afternoon, this evening for some and uh, for others is the power of the cross from sin to salvation. The power of the cross from sin to salvation. More and more churches are returning to the real message of the church. And that is that Jesus came to die to save the world. We cannot discuss salvation without remembering the heart-wrenching events that took place on a hill called Calvary. It was there on a cross that victory was won. That dark day became the light that draws the world to the light of the world. We are likely to see a cross in many places. A cross means different things to different people. In medieval Europe, Scottish clans burned crosses as a symbol of their rebellion to military rivals and to call troops together for battle. To the Ku Klux Klan in America, the cross was used as a form of intimidation to African-Americans, Jews, and Catholics. They insisted that their fire symbolized faith in Christ. However, due to the terrorism that was associated with the burning of crosses on private property, it became a symbol of persecution, of violence, and even racism. A cross has been used to hold up the statue of a scarecrow in gardens to run the birds and other prey away from the vegetables that are growing. In other parts of the world, the cross represented a pagan symbol. Even in Jesus's day, the cross was a shameful form of execution for criminals. To the Jews who were intimidated by Jesus's anointing that caused miracles to happen in the earth and to Herod, the cross was to be the end of this Jesus. Today, a cross can be found in churches, on top of church buildings, on Bibles, on hilltops, in front yards of private homes, in Jewry and other places as it symbolizes Christianity. Hence to them that are perishing. The cross was referred to as foolishness, nonsense, but for the secrets that God held in his own mind about his use and his purpose for the cross. And actually God still holds secrets that the world would not ever understand about the power of a simple cross and what was really accomplished at Calvary on the day that Jesus was crucified. I came across the word survey during my time of study on this topic of the cross. Survey is defined as to examine with reference to value to view with a scrutinizing eye, inspect. It was suggested that most of the world never actually survey the cross. They never delve into what it really means to have a Christ who died on a cross to bring salvation to the world. What do you think of the cross? What do you think when you see a cross? Do you think of how much it cost Christ to hang on a cross? Do you think of the real value of what was gained by Christ's death on the cross? Do you wonder how God really felt when he saw his son hanging on the cross? It had to have been a bittersweet moment. It was necessary though to defeat Satan forever. However, it might've been bitter when we think of the suffering of Christ for people, some of whom would never appreciate the sacrifice. 
they would never grasp the love that came from heaven to secure our freedom from sin in this world and from the penalty of sin in eternity. <coughs> Excuse me. When I think of survey, I think of taking a cross or any object in my hand and examining it with a very intense eye. Where you are in your home, you might <clears throat> just pick up something that's close to you and begin to examine it, look at it, turn it around, turn it over, look inside of it and outside of it. I look at it critically, turning it over and over in my hand. I look at how it was formed what geometrical angles are formed. I think of the four 90 degree angles that are formed on a cross. That's four right turns. There aren't any left turns on a cross, so you can only turn right. What are the uses of the object? If the cross is made of a piece of wood in the garden, it might go. It might be used as a clothesline. If it's a small piece of metal, it could go around the neck if it was hanging on a chain. Today, it might have diamonds. I had a cross once that also had a dove on it. What might happen if it's misused? As we heard in the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., it was a symbol of hatred and threat as it was burned in his front yard while he and his family slept in their home. How can I benefit from using it, you might ask? If it's jewelry, it's beautiful, and it would add to your own beauty. How do I feel while looking at this object? My thoughts are so in tune with the spiritual use of the cross that I feel the love that God showed for me and for the world by planning before the world began to have his son die on it to save you and I. What does my spirit say about it? My spirit feels the sadness of the necessity for such a cruel death. And it feels thanksgiving for the obedience of the only one who could pay that debt for me. How can you take something that seems so invaluable and realize that I'd be nothing without the activity that took place on a cross one day. Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth during his third missionary journey. He is currently in Ephesus, but his, has received word of the division that was taking place in Corinth, which is a wealthy town that is full of sexual immorality, paganism, and philosophical leadership. Does that sound like the United States or maybe the state in which you live in? even your town or mine or and mine. Paul explains the gifts of grace that God has sent to them in Jesus Christ. There might have been seeds of doubt being sown about the gift of salvation based on a man being crucified on a cross. However, the fact of Jesus's resurrection could not be denied. There was no other man who had died by hanging on a cross that was also raised back to life. Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection before these events took place. 
Everyone saw it and many had seen Jesus after the resurrection. He was alive. When we look at the crucifixion, remember that there were three men hanging on a cross. Jesus was in the middle of two thieves. Both of them died. But one asked to be remembered when Jesus entered paradise. Jesus's promise to this thief was that he would be with him that very day. The other thief mocked Jesus and told him to save himself. Can't you see that kind of arrogance in some of, of the people that are walking around today? Some of them, unfortunately, might be in our own families. That scene gives us a lesson, though. It shows us that we each have an option to believe in the power of Jesus to save or not. Of the three men who died that day, Jesus was the only one who could, have, who could not have died until he gave up the ghost. Jesus was the only one who rose again alive and Jesus was the only one who ascended up into heaven. Let us not forget that Jesus was the one who sent the Holy Spirit back, who filled the people with power. The Bible tells us it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that lives in us even today. The power was not in the cross, but in the one who was hanging on the cross. If the power was in the cross, then neither man could have died unless they wanted to. Or Jesus could not have stayed alive, even if he wanted to. If the power was in the cross, it could not have stood the weight of the sin of this world. But the weight did not go into the cross. It went into Jesus himself. Yet God allowed these two or three pieces of wood to assist him and Jesus in the awesome task of saving the whole world and defeating Satan through the redemption of humanity. There was so much that I saw while studying for this message, some of which came out during our study of relationships in the weekly Bible study from Ken Boa's book entitled, Conform to His Image. The cross was used as an illustration in the section on relationships and is clearly seen as we survey the cross. The cross when standing on Golgotha's hill goes down into the earth while holding our savior up. Horizontally, Jesus's head is at the top of the cross. His obedience as one who stands between earth and heaven on behalf of mankind who cannot save themselves from sin. We see so much more now that we are faced with what the world is calling neural warfare. The crown of thorns around Christ's head shows us today that there was a major attack on the mind of Jesus Christ. There had been a physical encounter of psychological warfare that Satan to Jesus from Satan to Jesus as he came out of the wilderness. Today, we are able to have the mind of Christ in the midst of warfare that is designed to steal our very will to serve the almighty God and take us out of the safety that was secured by Jesus's obedience on the cross. It was the mind of Christ, the determination of Christ that kept him on the cross in spite of the psychological warfare that he was waging even there. The cross beam that held our savior's hand represented the vertical relationship that we are also supposed to exemplify as we represent Jesus to the world. 
horizontal from earth to heaven, vertical to the world. And then there's that second part of the scripture that I did not read, but I'm gonna share a little of that with you right now. And it read from chapter two, verses six to eight, we speak about the mystery of God's wisdom. It is a wisdom that has been hidden, which God had planned for our glory before the world began. Listen, before the world began. Today is not a surprise to God. He knew that we'd still be in the, in the earth on August the 5th, 2023. He knew who would be gathered around the call today to listen to these words of encouragement and of challenge. And more than that, he knew that Jesus would have already completed the first task of delivering our souls from, the, from Satan and from hell. And the second task is yet to come. Not one of the rulers of this world has known it. If they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. When we look at the world today, there is great darkness as it was in the beginning. This darkness sadly is in the hearts and minds of man. There is the sacrifice of babies and children, confusion about who God created as male and female. Yet it is all revolving around those with whom God wants to have relationship. God determined to write his work on man's heart and in man's mind. And Satan, the God of this age is determined that man will never see Christ or know the almighty God. But it's already been settled. Listen to this. It's a mystery that a brown cow can eat green grass and give us white milk. It's a mystery that my daughter can put a tiny seed in the ground and it will produce bushels of green beans or vines that will produce a 50 pound watermelon or a 15 pound cantaloupe. It's a mystery that a sperm and an egg from a man and a woman can produce a child with two arms, with hands and fingers, two legs with feet and toes, Two ears, two eyes, a nose with two nasal passages, two kidneys, two lungs, one heart, one head, one brain, one gallbladder, one liver, one pancreas, one spleen, one colon, all divided into systems. And that he could give a girl and or boy the right organs. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that from a cross, Jesus can drip his red blood over our black sinful hearts and make them white as snow. God told Isaiah, through your sins, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. So we know it can happen. And then God sent Jesus to take care of the world, past, present, and future. There are many songs that we sing both hymns, praise, and worship, and contemporary about the cross. I'm going to just name some of the ones that I remember and that I still hold dear in my own heart. Jesus, keep me near the cross is one that we sang as I was a little girl, as they did the old rugged cross. At the cross, where I first saw the light is another one, and lead me to Calvary is yet another one. Then there's one that came out there in the gospel era. It wasn't the nails that held him on the cross. Another part of that song says, if he had come down, the whole world would still be lost. 
Then there's a song called Lead Me to the Cross. That's one of the contemporary ones, as is the blood will never lose its power. That's an old one, but then another contemporary at the cross where your love ran red. I can't say that one is better than the other because they all carry such significant meaning to the body of Christ. But there's one that really struck my ears and my heart and my spirit stood up and applauded as Chris Charity Gale sings Divine Exchange. This is one beautiful song that explains what Jesus did for us. To the world even today, it sounds the term that the Supreme Court used about the targeted justice lawsuit, fantastical. And when I, what I mean is the songs about the cross and the reality that one can believe that a man who died on the cross and rose again was all that was necessary to save mankind from his sins. That sounds fantastical, but they are so wrong. She sings this song and I'm telling you, she sings it with so much feeling. I can feel it every time. There's one special version that I love to go to when I listen because it's just so real. She says, on the cross hung my pain and the guilt and the shame. Jesus bore my suffering to the grave to make me free. Oh, the blood that was shed, it now flows to cover sin. It washes clean and purifies in his healing crimson tide. His spirit is my help. I'd be lost all by myself. He resurrects, he sanctifies. He takes his power and makes it mine. And then the chorus is, Jesus took my place in divine exchange. Hallelujah, grace is mine. Now I will live by faith for the one who saves. He gave all to give me life. I just love it. Many of the songs that we sang did not have any real value. And I don't, I'm not saying the song didn't have value, but we didn't value the song when we sang them as children. Even as teenagers, seldom would we take time to actually listen to the lyrics and try to glean an intelligent meaning from them. But the word promised that we would mature and with the mind of Christ, we cannot, we can understand and appreciate the meaning of these treasured words. Now, as I close this afternoon, I want to share with you the, the song of one old hymn of the church, one that sang every, every Easter or every resurrection day, one that was a part of every church service, the old rugged cross. And it reads on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. It was the emblem of suffering and shame. And it go on and says, and I love that old cross where the dearest and blessed, that was Jesus Christ, for a world of lost sinners was slain. Then the second stanza says, oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. And the chorus is one that I, I, I even was humming and singing to myself this, this morning. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. 
till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. This is the glory part, y'all, and exchange it someday for a crown. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies, my trophies are the burdens and the, the, the uh, obedience, my obedience to God Almighty, my trophies are the ways that I've been able to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony about what the lamb did for me. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Amen.